Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. It's a Friday morning. It's July 28th. We're having a, a great day so far. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. I think you'll be very interested in our topics. We've got hard to keep them timely and interesting and to let you know what's going on in and around the Catholic world. Hence the name of the program, Catholic Connection. Coming up right after the news, and there's a ton of it, never a dull moment. We are going to be talking about some good news, as in, yes, the gospel, amen to that. But the Good News Conference is coming up yet again. This time it's in the beautiful city of Orlando, Florida. And we'll be talking with John Hale from Corporate Travel, who is very involved in co-sponsoring and organizing this event. And the wonderful conference featuring one of our own, the amazing... Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. I can't wait to catch up with the good deacon. He's one of the speakers for the upcoming Good News Conference, and it's still open to register. Of course, this is something that Bishop Barron works on very closely and actually started. It's just an amazing event. I had the blessing and the opportunity to be one of the speakers last year and really enjoyed it. Just such a great turnout and so many great people helping to spread the truth of the faith and the good news. So goodnewsconference.com is a website and one of the many excellent speakers will be our very own Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, who also has a a new book coming out. But I don't know if we'll have time to talk about that this morning, but we're definitely going to have him back on in that book in the near future. So that's coming up at 15 minutes past the hour. All right, Fat Check Friday. I don't know how many of you caught any of the testimony yesterday from a hearing on Capitol Hill, and this was in the House, involving young people and medical experts who are speaking out against this horrific life-altering and very dangerous surgery that's going on in this whole so-called transgender movement. There were several young people who spoke out, including Chloe Cole, who celebrated her 19th birthday yesterday, and she was pressured by doctors and counselors that, quote-unquote, becoming a boy was going to solve all her problems. You'll hear her testimony this morning in Fat Check Friday about how it made a bad situation worse. There were so many really important testimonies yesterday, but I want to play hers. And it's about four and a half minutes long. I'm going to separate it into two pieces for you. But it's so crucial what she says in terms of how the doctors push this ideology on the family and the emotional abuse that took place prior to the surgeries and these dangerous puberty blockers and what's going on here. And so from a media perspective, why are we talking about this? Because again, it is the sin of omission, number one. And number two, it also is the media, again, carrying the torch for these leftist ideologies and adopting the language the left is telling them to use. I was telling my listeners in the first hour of the program, even in a wire story on the service that we use at Ave Maria Radio and Sacred Heart Radio, and Anna Mitchell and I were talking about this last week, if you recall, in a different perspective, but about the way stories are twisted when it comes to the life issues. They use the term gender-affirming care. The idea is to get it in your head that this is good, this is affirming, this is what these people need, this is what they want, we shouldn't stand up against. And so every time in the secular media when this is discussed, that's, ter- that's that term that they use. Just like when they talk about abortion, they don't even use pregnancy resource centers anymore. It's been put in the AP style guide 
that they have to use anti-abortion centers versus pregnancy resource centers because you can't give an entity that promotes life a positive label. And the media just run with it. Cue the talent, give them the script, they go run and do it. But in this case, it's, it's not only that, but it's a sin of omission. I encourage you to do a search online and look for this hearing. If it was covered, it was covered in a very limited fashion and with a very negative angle in the secular media. As a matter of fact, I'll share some headlines that I found. Headlines going back not only from yesterday, the day of the hearing, but a few months ago regarding this young woman who was standing up and speaking the truth about what happened to her. It reminds me so much of what the media do with the abortion issue. Silencing the women and the men who talk about their abortion experience and the damage it did, that it didn't, just like these so-called gender-affirming efforts, right, these so-called gender-affirming tactics, claiming that it's going to make their life so much better, abortion doesn't do that. It's just the opposite. So we'll talk about that in Fact Check Friday. And then we're going to take a look at the movie The Sound of Freedom, still doing well at the box office. We're checking in with Dr. Barbara Nicolosi-Harrington and look forward to talking to her about this, her take on it. She was recently interviewed in an article in Newsweek all about these different movies that are coming out connected to people of faith. So it'll be a good discussion, I'm sure, and a very busy hour. So stay tuned for the entire program here on EWTN. Heat wave continuing. We'll have more on this in the news. Dangerously high heat impacting millions of us as the heat spreads from the central U.S., into the mid-Atlantic and northeast and persists in the southwest. A weather system will interact with that atmosphere and potential for severe storms from the Midwest to the Great Lakes. Continue critical fire weather conditions also, including dry thunderstorm potentials, are in the northern Great Basin. So let's look at the news across the country. Thank you for listening to the one, the only EWTN. Let's get started with the news, shall we, on a Friday morning. Pope Francis is sending a message to young people in Medjugorje at the Medjugorje Youth Festival. And as Devin Watkins from the Vatican tells us, he's urging them to trust in God and to respond in a positive way to his grace. God has a plan of love for each of you, said the Pope. Do not be afraid of his will, but place all your trust in his grace. He expressed his hope that their time spent in Eucharistic adoration and confession at the Medjugorje Festival would help them to see that God's will is not something to be feared, but rather something to be embraced. God's will is a priceless treasure, he said. Pope Francis went on to reflect on the example of the Blessed Virgin Mary, highlighting how she did the will of God despite hardships. She became a disciple and mother of her son the moment she accepted the angel's words, he said. From then on, her whole life was a continuous response to God's will. The Pope noted that we sometimes struggle to understand God's will, especially in difficult moments. There is no better will for us than the Father's will, he said, which is his plan of love for us with a view to his kingdom and our full happiness. God, added Pope Francis, loves us unconditionally and knows the very depths of our hearts and desires. The Pope urged young people at the Medjugorje Youth Festival to offer God their unconditional yes in response to his love, especially in the zeal of their youth. Meanwhile, the Holy Father inviting the Church to pray for his intention in this month's Pope video, the intention entrusted to the entire Catholic Church of the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network, and the video was created this time in collaboration with World Youth Day in Lisbon, which of course starts next week, and the Dicastery for Lady and Family Life. It's all about young people and the big event next week, World Youth Day. The Pope's message emphasizing his invitation to young people to quickly take the path of bearing 
a joyful witness to the gospel. The video begins with Pope Francis reassuring young people of their importance for the church, noting the church needs young people in order to survive. He also prays for a world which puts love at the center, especially, he said, at a time when we are at war as well as joy, because if we Christians have no joy, we are not credible and no one will believe us. We'll be talking about this at the bottom of the hour in our Fact Check Friday segment, but an 18-year-old is telling a congressional committee this happened yesterday. She was deceived by doctors and other healthcare professionals who performed various procedures on her. Chloe Cole said she was 15 when doctors put her on puberty blockers and testosterone and also performed a double mastectomy on her because she believed at the time wrongly that she was born in the wrong body. She called the procedures one of the biggest medical scandals in U.S. history. And during that hearing yesterday, Louisiana Republican Mike Johnson said it's anything but gender affirming and caring, arguing adults are permanently altering the bodies of children who don't have the capacity to make those decisions on their own. Medical professionals in schools increasingly see parents as, quote, transphobic bullies who must be prevented from standing in the way of the medical sexual transition of their own kids. He also said there's an aggressive attempt to transition young people in this country. And the science is on the side of what we all know deep down is morally and ethically right. And Johnson also added that the efforts to cover up what's being done to children are extreme. Federal lawmakers are gathering with some parents of the Parkland at Florida school tragedy this week to introduce two measures with school safety in mind. We're here today to honor Alyssa, Alex, and Gina and turn their memory and the pain their families and friends carry every day into action, announcing two bipartisan common sense pieces of legislation. That's Congressman Josh Gottmeyer explaining Alyssa's act would require all schools have silent panic alarms tied to law enforcement. The Strengthening Our Schools Act of 2023, making sure there is a school resource officer on every school campus across the country. The law has already been passed in five states, including Florida. Meanwhile, just north of Detroit in Oxford, Michigan, a high school teacher there, Molly Darnell, testifying yesterday at the mandatory Miller hearing for shooter Ethan Crumbly after he pleaded guilty to all charges last October. Do you know how hard it is to heal from something like this? I avoid everything I can to heal. The November 2021 shooting that occurred in Michigan again in October, actually November of 2021, where Darnell and six others, and actually he was four people were killed. She was hurt. Four people were killed and six others were hurt. A Miller hearing, by the way, is used to determine if life without parole and sentences are appropriate for minors. Now, the name comes from the U.S. Supreme Court's 2012 Miller versus Alabama ruling. That ruling prevents mandatory life without parole sentences again for minors. The State Board of Education in Oklahoma is putting off a discussion on whether to renew the accreditation of the Tulsa Public Schools. The state superintendent, Ryan Walters, says that school district has several ongoing significant and severe issues. Us as a Department of Education have to do what we can to ensure that those kids are being supported, those parents are able to send their kids to a school that's high achieving, and that all those teachers in that district, too, are being supported and that we are addressing all of the issues going on there in the best way possible for those kids. Walter says the Tulsa School District has been plagued again by scandal and is also one of the worst performing districts in the state. Now moving to the heat issue, another big story of the day, extreme heat intensifying in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic. About 150 million of us across the country are at risk of a health heat emergency. Intense heat has spread along the highly populated I-94 corridor, 
also doubling down in the south where emergency rooms are receiving heat-related burn victims. Index is expected to exceed 100 degrees across many, many, many areas of the country into the weekend. Sarah Lee Kessler tells us we hear an awful lot about heat exhaustion, heat stroke, and dehydration during heat waves, but extreme heat can also take a big toll on our mental health. Psychologists say triple-digit feel-like temps can trigger aggression, self-harm, and a jump in psychiatric emergency room visits. Extreme heat can lower our general ability to be resilient. Dr. Joseph Galasso, a clinical psychologist in North Jersey, says if you're dealing with substance abuse or pre-existing mental illness, you're especially vulnerable to relapse. If you are taking psychotropic medication, it's important to understand that several types of these medications can impair our body's ability to regulate temperature. Extreme temperatures, meanwhile, can be especially dangerous for babies and toddlers. Dr. Don Buckland is a preventative medicine doctor out of California and says babies and toddlers may get fussy as they start to overheat. If they get overheated, they're probably going to get quiet, not scream. They're going to get sleepy. We call it the floppy baby syndrome, meaning they're kind of unresponsive. He says signs of heat stroke include muscle cramps, feeling nauseous, diarrhea, absence of sweating, rapid heartbeat and breathing, also severe headaches, and when the babies appear to be confused. He says you need to monitor babies and toddlers very, very closely. They may not be able to explain, obviously, how they're feeling as they begin to overheat. He says babies under six months can't regulate, obviously, their own body temperature, adding the keys to preventing any heat illness, our hydration, and taking breaks from the heat and sun. Well, we are moving into the month of August, and many folks will be taking a holiday or a little vacation. But if you're driving, Brian Shook tells us, it could cost you a lot more at the gas pump to get where you're going. AAA reports the national average price for a gallon of regular gas hit $3.71 on Thursday. That's the highest the average has hit since November and is 13 cents more compared to a week ago. The jump comes as the price for a barrel of oil has surged to $80, a three-month high. California has the highest average price at $4.93, while Mississippi drivers are seeing the lowest average at $3.17 a gallon. And finally, in our news segment, it was 9.15 Eastern Time on a Friday morning, July 28th. Bud Lightmaker Anheuser-Busch laying off hundreds after the recent fallout of a boycott against its partnership with a man identifying as a woman. That's nearly 2% of its workforce in this country, and a spokesperson for the company telling The Hill it's an attempt to simplify and reduce layers by changing its corporate structure. After backlash at Anheuser-Busch working with Dylan Mulvaney, that's when this occurred, but Bud Light lost its spot as a top-selling beer for the first time in over 20 years. It's a Friday morning, and we've got the good news, amen, the gospel of Jesus, yay, Jesus. And we have a good news conference coming up, another one, this one in the fall, in October. Still plenty of time to get your tickets, but it did sell out last year. So check it out, goodnewsconference.com. And we'll talk with one of the organizers and also one of the speakers. Our very own Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers is speaking. And we'll talk with John Hale, President of Corporate Travel, one of the driving forces behind this amazing conference, featuring also the amazing Bishop Robert Barron. We'll be right back. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. Isn't it awesome that we today do not recognize his presence? in the Eucharist? Is it because we really don't go to him in humbleness of heart and say, Lord, I don't believe. Help my unbelief. 
Lord, I want to see you. I want to recognize you. I cannot live without you. Are we saying that? EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Holy Father's prayer intentions for the month of August, focusing on the young people at World Youth Day, encouraging them to be joy-filled. He says he prays for a world which puts love at the center, especially at a time when we are at war, as well as joy. Because if we Christians have no joy, we are not credible and no one will believe us. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't cover the issues and talk about the problems of the world. We're going to be talking about this whole situation with the media silencing those who are speaking up against these horrific puberty blockers and so-called gender-affirming procedures that are taking place. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program. But we also, 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 always, always, always never let anyone steal your joy. And I always like to think of the word, the word joy as an acronym, Jesus first, other second, yourselves last. And two people who know all about that, the amazing Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, of course, a wonderful deacon, as well as an author and a prominent speaker. And my dear friend, John Hale, president of Corporate Travel and one of the uh, brainchilds behind this fantastic Good News Conference, the website, goodnewsconference.com. Deacon, always great to talk to you. Good morning. Deacon Harold, yeah, are you there? Be back on. There you are. <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Good morning. Always great to have you. Thank and, you. It's great to be with you, as always. And, John, good to hear from you, too. Good morning, Teresa. Thanks for having us on. All right, Deacon, let me go to you first and, and just kind of respond, if you wouldn't mind, to that statement from the Holy Father. We have to have balance in terms of keeping our joy, but also being able to address the many issues we see in the church and the world. So how does the Good News Conference help us with that? Well, there's so much uh, tension that I'm noticing as I'm traveling around People are worried about what's going on in the world. They're worried about what's going on in, in our culture and even in their own lives. And sometimes it's hard to find that balance with, with joy and with hope that comes from a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Good News Conference reminds us of that, uh, that there is this wonderful balance that comes when we cooperate deeply with the grace of the sacraments, 
um, when we commit ourselves every day to falling more deeply in love with Jesus and following him to our ultimate uh, uh, goal, right, which is life with him forever in heaven. Amen. Amen. And John, let's talk about the the housekeeping details, firstly, in terms of when and where and how folks can register, along with some of the other great speakers, in addition to Deacon Harold. Sure. Uh, Teresa, it's a uh, Good News Conference in uh, Florida. We are hosted at the JW Marriott in uh, Orlando, Florida. Beautiful, beautiful venue, uh, November 17 through 19, and they can register, everyone can register, uh, by going to the website goodnewsconference.com and joining us again. Of course, we co-sponsor this great uh, annual conference with uh, Word on Fire and Bishop Robert Barron, who will celebrate a Mass and always gives an amazing talk and usually does a couple of interviews. We have uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. We have Immaculate Ilibagiza, mm. the Rwandan genocide survivor who has an incredible testimony. You talk about hope and joy in the midst of you know utter terror. Uh, Dr. Peter Kreeft, who... Wow. I mean, just a favorite of, of everyone. We love Dr. Peter Kreeft. Sister Bethany Madonna, the Sisters of Life, um, and she'll share her testimony. Our theme this year is Witness. Mm. We have Father Dave Pavanka, uh, president of Franciscan Franciscan, University. yeah, wow. Yeah, and we have uh, Tim Tebow, who will share witness. You know, how do you witness as a, uh, a public figure in sports, in media, and in other areas of, of life? And uh, we have Jim Walbert. We have a number of breakout speakers who will be incredible, including Stephen Henley of Legatus, how to witness in the, in the business community in your work. And uh, it, it's just a great, great conference, and it's brought so much joy, um, all by God's grace and the Holy Spirit, to so many people over these last several years. And it was really born from the, the, sort of that sense of uh, hopelessness that we had during, you know, COVID, COVID. and the tension that just escalated, as you said, Deacon Harold, uh, within our own church, everywhere. And, you know, I certainly fell victim to it. We, we all do. And we know that that's a tool of the devil, to bring us down in despair. And, Teresa, you say... We can't um, ignore the issues. That's absolutely true. And thank God for people like you who, who shed light and bring the light. But then, you know, you always point us back to Christ, who is the answer. And that's what the good news does, is anchor us back in the good news, in the gospel message, which is a message of hope. And we've always been promised both sorrow, both the cross, but always, always joy. And yeah. that is what we—it's a vitamin B12 shot over absolutely. a weekend— so that's, that's, that, that's our goal, and it's beautiful that the Holy Father affirms that. Yeah, and Deacon Harold, I think, too, we, we get challenged often in the church. I get a lot of emails that you know, we need to be talking about this bishop or that bishop. We need to be t- criticizing this leader or that leader. And again, for example, Joan Lewis and I did a whole segment on Wednesday on some of the problems in this, in this cardinal who was being, unfortunately, sentenced and charged in the horrible story of corruption. But at the same time, we have to make sure we don't get stuck in that place of rage and anger and frustration. And, and again, it's a balance, right? Oh, absolutely right. And uh, there's no question um, that the things that are happening are leaving us scratching our heads. But we, what we don't want them to do is start to affect our hearts. Right. Where we're thinking about these things so much that they start to affect the way we think, the way we act, what, what I call going down a rabbit hole. You know, what we have to do is stay focused on the, the purpose and mission of, uh, of intimacy with, with the Lord. And that's what this Good News Conference really helps us to do. It really gives us hope, because uh, Jesus says we're the light in the darkness. And put your light up on the hill so people can see it. You don't leave it buried. And, and the Good News Conference does exactly that. It is the light in the darkness of our culture today that helps us stay focused on the, on the ultimate light, which is, has its source in Christ.
Yeah, it's just an incredible conference, and I would really encourage you, in addition to hearing Deacon Haroldberg service speak, known as a dynamic deacon, I think that's an understatement. You're dynamic, but you're much more than that. <laughs> I think that's just, that's kind of the, a good word that we could attach to you, because a little bit of alliteration there, you know, dynamic deacon. But if you've never heard Deacon Harold speak, look out. You are just going to be blown away. I mean, he's, he's so peaceful and loving and gentle, but when he's up there speaking, He's all that, but then he's like this this powerhouse that just kind of just takes your breath away. So just to go see Deacon Harold speak, you should go. But Immaculate, what a story. I love her. She's another one who's so gentle and sweet and just went through literally hell on earth in terms of her three months of, of hiding during the, the whole situation with the Ugandan genocide. She's got an amazing, amazing story. And then, of course, Bishop Barron, who's just so upbeat and so articulate in terms of explaining the faith to us. And I, I'm saying this because I spoke at the conference last year and I also attended it and I left feeling so, John, I would say just so encouraged by everyone there, not just the speakers, but the attendees. Praise God. And that's, that's exactly the whole point because, you know, we ourselves have to be um, converted before we can evangelize, before we can go out. And I think you have to be in a good place. You know, think of the, the, what a tool it is to have us be despondent or, or experience, you know, extreme despair. It, there's a physicality to it. We don't have the energy. We just sort of collapse in right. on ourselves, and that's not the gospel message. We have to go out, but you can't go out unless we ourselves, each of us, are reconverted every day. And, you know, that's certainly looking at ourselves. And this conference gives us, you know, constructive um, ways to really feel the good news down to our DNA and to experience that joy in community, as you said, right, Teresa, right. because it's, everybody's looking for the same thing, yeah. and then we can go out. And make a difference. It's incredible. Goodnewsconference.com. Check it out. Our very own Deacon Harold, the dynamic deacon among those speaking. You won't regret it. Check it out and go. It's in Florida in November. Great conference. Great time. Goodnewsconference.com. We'll be right back. Time is God's creation. He actualizes his plan of salvation in time and in space. We live at that interface between time and eternity, and that is never more visible to us as in the liturgy where heaven touches earth. That's where our attention catches a glimpse of eternity. And then, unfortunately, the, the veil falls too quickly back over our eyes, time passes, memory fades, willpower weakens, our attention gets restless and flitters uh, between the urgent and the importance, the trivial, the profound. In and of itself, time serves nothing. It improves nothing. But through the church calendar, Christ is restructuring time to assist in our sanctification. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. How did the first community of believers in Jerusalem pray? The Catholic Catechism tells us that as Christ's disciples were gathered together on the first Pentecost, the spirit of the promise was poured out on them. They were in one place devoting themselves to prayer. The Holy Spirit came to teach the church, to recall for her everything Jesus said, and to form her in a life of prayer. The first community devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and prayers. This sequence is characteristic of church worship founded on apostolic faith, lived in charity, and nourished by the Eucharist. The faithful hear these prayers and read them in the scriptures and make them their own, particularly the Psalms. 
Thus, the Holy Spirit keeps the memory of Jesus Christ alive in his church at prayer. He leads her to the fullness of truth. He also inspires new formulations to express the unfathomable mystery of Christ at work in his church. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. 28 minutes past the hour. Welcome back, Catholic Connection, on a Friday morning. As we mentioned in the last segment with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and John Hale about the Good News Conference, we have to be a light and we have to be aware of what's going on and we have to speak truth in love and be joyful. And in a way, as bad as this story is, to me, the fact that the, the media are suppressing these incredible testimonies, these very heartfelt testimonies that are coming out from young people and others who are detransitioning after horrific procedures were done on them, the fact that they have to suppress it or feel the need to suppress it and change the language and play with the semantics is a clear sign that they know deep down that it's wrong, but they still want to cling to this ideology and push it down our throats. So we want to play a clip, and we're going to split it into two parts. This is from uh, Chloe Cole, and she spoke yesterday at this hearing the House had regarding this whole procedure that's going on, this whole effort to push these procedures on young people and others in terms of so-called transgender, or what they call, again, their semantics, gender-affirming care. And as you heard in the clips I ran in the news, if you were listening earlier in the program, saying anything but affirming and caring with these procedures. So listen to the first part of this testimony from this young woman who was pressured by her doctors and by her counselors and her parents also, the emotional manipulation that goes on. There's like these standard lines now that those who call themselves counselors and medical professionals are telling parents when their kids are convinced that they're a girl, they need to be a boy or just the opposite. This is from the hearing yesterday. Take a listen. My name is Chloe Cole and I am a detransitioner. Another way to put that would be, I used to believe that I was born in the wrong body, and the adults in my life, whom I trusted, affirmed my belief, and this caused me lifelong irreversible harm. I speak to you today as a victim of one of the biggest medical scandals in the history of the United States of America. I speak to you in the hope that you will have the courage to bring the scandal to an end and ensure that other vulnerable teenagers, children, and young adults don't go through what I went through. At the age of 12, I began to experience what my medical team would later diagnose as gender dysphoria. I was well into an early puberty, and I was very uncomfortable with the changes that were happening to my body. I was, intimida- I was intimidated by male attention, and when I told my parents that I felt like a boy, in retrospect, all I meant was that I hated puberty, that I wanted this newfound sexual attention to go away, that I looked up to my brothers a little bit more than I did to my sisters. I came out as transgender in a letter I sent on the dining room table. My parents were immediately concerned. They felt like they needed to get outside help from medical professionals, but this proved to be a mistake. It immediately set our entire family down a path of ideologically motivated deceit and coercion. The gender specialist I was taken to to see told my parents that I needed to be put on puberty-blocking drugs right away. They asked my parents a simple question. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a living transgender son. The choice was enough for my parents to let their guard down, and in retrospect, I can't blame them. This is the moment that we all became victims of so-called gender-affirming care. I was fast-tracked onto puberty blockers and then testosterone. The resulting menopausal-like hot flashes made focusing on school impossible. I still get joint pains and weird pops in my back, but they were far worse when I was on the blockers. A month later, 
When I was 13, I had my first testosterone injection. It's caused permanent changes to my body. My voice will forever be deeper, my jawline sharper, my nose longer, my bone structure um, permanently masculinized, my Adam's apple more prominent, my fertility unknown. I look in the mirror sometimes and I feel like a monster. Before I was able to legally drive, I had a huge part of my future womanhood taken from me. I will never be able to breastfeed. I struggle to look at myself in the mirror at times. Wow. So that was the first part of her testimony yesterday. Of course, the testimonies given at these hearings are relatively short. Several people do testify, and it was very powerful. And we have the link to the entire session that we grabbed from C-SPAN, and we'll put it at the Catholic Connection archive. But I would definitely look for this testimony. Again, we'll have the links to the stories and whatnot, and share it and post it, because the media are not talking about this. There's a few headlines out there, and they're not very positive, including one from Yahoo News. House Republicans schedule mean-spirited hearing on gender-affirming care. So you see the message here? It's mean-spirited. So these people who are talking about how their lives were forever badly altered, tragically altered, how they were pressured into this, that's mean-spirited. When it's actually just the opposite, right? It's mean-spirited and wrong to make these people feel badly about what they've gone through and speaking out about it. It reminds me so much of what I see, for example, when I cover the March for Life for EW10 and we go down to the Supreme Court and we listen to the men and women who tell the horrific stories of how, just like a so-called transitioning surgery doesn't answer the problems and only complicates them, makes them worse, the same thing we hear over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. If we heard it for 50 plus years, from women and men connected with an abortion. Here's the second part of her story that you most likely won't hear or see in the secular media, unfortunately. Take a listen. I still struggle to this day with sexual dysfunction, and I have massive scars across my chest. After surgery, my grades in school plummeted. Everything that I went through did nothing to address my underlying mental health issues that I had. And my doctors, with their theories on gender, thought that all my problems would go away as soon as I was surgically transformed into something that vaguely resembled a boy. Their theories were wrong. The drugs and surgeries changed my body, but they did not and could not change the basic reality that I am and forever will be a female. When my specialist first told my parents that they could have a dead daughter or a live transgender son, I wasn't suicidal. I was a happy child who struggled because she was different. However, at 16, after my surgery, I did become suicidal. I'm doing better now. But my parents almost got the dead daughter promised to them by my doctors. My doctors had almost created the very nightmare they said they were trying to avoid. So what message do I want to bring to American teenagers and their families? I didn't need to be lied to. I needed compassion. I needed to be loved. I need to be given therapy to help me work through my issues, not affirm to my delusion that by transforming into a boy, it would solve all my problems. We need to stop telling 12-year-olds that they are born wrong, that they are right to reject their own bodies and feel uncomfortable with their own skin. We need to stop telling children that puberty is an option, that they can choose what kind of puberty they will go through, just so they can choose what clothes to wear or what music to listen to. Puberty is a rite of passage to adulthood, not a disease to be mitigated. Today, I should be at home with my family celebrating my 19th birthday, and instead I'm making a desperate plea to my elected, re my elected representatives. Learn the lessons from other medical scandals like the opioid crisis. 
to recognize that doctors are human too, and sometimes they are wrong. My childhood was ruined along with thousands of detransitioners that I know through our networks. This needs to stop. You alone can stop it. Enough children have already been victimized by this barbaric pseudoscience. Please let me be your final warning. Wow. Chloe Cole testifying at a hearing yesterday of those who are talking about how the so-called gender-affirming care is anything but. And right up there, along with so-called medical professionals who are claiming this is the only answer and will better childhood and their lives in general, are the media who are trumpeting their cause and ignoring the obvious. The sin of omission, again, with the media. And they are just as culpable, or pretty close to being just as culpable, as these so-called medical professionals. We have to be our own reporters and search for the truth, and we're going to give you some links to this story and others on the Catholic Connection archives. Let's be a voice for these people, just like in the pro-life movement, and this too is a pro-life story. Let's be a voice, as it says in Proverbs, for those who have been silenced. I'll be right back. Do you rely on energy drinks to give you a boost? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Sales of energy drinks continue to grow rapidly, up to $20 billion yearly. Manufacturers are often promoting these drinks as a healthy alternative to other drinks like sugary soda and sports drinks. Energy drinks can be low in sugar and calories, but are high in caffeine. Some 12-ounce energy drinks have 200 milligrams of caffeine. That's about the same as two Red Bulls, two cups of coffee, or six cans of cola. Drinks have even been included in some school lunchrooms. So what's the big deal? Adults should have no more than 400 milligrams of caffeine per day. And doctors recommend recommend that for kids age 12 to 18, no more than 100 milligrams a day. Under age 12, no caffeine at all. It's easy to bust through these suggested amounts daily. Heart and sleep issues can arise. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on energy drinks at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Father Benedict Groeschel. I usually am operating on the gifts of the Holy Spirit when I don't feel well, even when I'm annoyed, when I'm down and out. During my recovery from the automobile accident, immense numbers of people wrote to me and sent me emails, 50,000. And they told me how helpful they thought my talks on EWTN were to them. I'm delighted, but I want you to know I'm nobody's fool. The talks that were helpful, the sentences that were helpful, the phrases that were helpful came from the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the styrofoam packaging came from me. I did that. And styrofoam doesn't amount to very much. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Nine minutes past the hour. Welcome back. Wrapping up a Friday. If you haven't seen Sound of Freedom, maybe it's on your bucket list this weekend. And we have on the phone with us an expert, Dr. Barbara Nicolosi Harrington. She's been working in the world of entertainment since 1996, the founder of the prestigious Act One training program for beginning screenwriters and producers, writer of the feature film Fatima, which was released by Picture House in 2000, and now directs the graduate programs in screenwriting at Regent University. 
and just started writing movie reviews, of course, for our very own National Catholic Register. And I bumped into her at a conference that we did last year on the media. It was great to see you. Actually, was it? Yeah, it was earlier this year in March. Gosh, time flies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Barb, first of all, your thoughts on how, how is Sound of Freedom doing? Because I think financially it's a pretty big deal still, right? Oh, my goodness. It's a huge hit. It's, it's the number 14 movie of the year. And it's right now beating Mission Impossible, and then even you know family films like Puss, uh, you know Puss in Boots that that you know these kinds of things they usually make a billion dollars, you know, and you can't everybody takes their kids to see them. It's beating that, um, and you know it's uh, it's really it's got legs. It, it's doing some some patterns where the box office is actually growing, um, not shrinking, which usually that doesn't happen. You know, it's uh, you, you open big and then it kind of fades. Right. So, so, yeah, word of mouth is out there. Hollywood is paying attention and uh, everybody's kind of scratching their head at, you know, why this film is, you know, has legs and why it keeps getting bigger. But well, what do you um, think in, in terms of why? Um, I mean, I think that the the film, the film is a solid film. Uh, first of all, it's well acted and beautifully shot. And but the main thing is it has a very potent story, you know, at its core. This is about an urgent, awful social nightmare, child sex trafficking. And and so you're riveted from the very first um, moment of the film because it's so hor- horrifying. And in, it almost doesn't even matter what the dialogue is and you know, kind of the little kind of plot points and beats and character issues that we normally focus on because the main issue is so compelling. And so that's what's basically carrying the movie, and people are, you know, they're experiencing an awful lot of emotion watching it, and they're coming out and saying, wow, I haven't felt that emotional at a movie in a long time. Mm. They call it, though, and I say they, I mean a lot of the media are referring to it as a faith-based film. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. it's based on the true story of the agent mm-hmm. who left Homeland Security and started his own effort to save kids from trafficking because he didn't think the Homeland Security Department was doing enough. That's a true story, Tim Ballard, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. a Mormon. But really, mm-hmm. there isn't. it's not all about uh, him, this is a God thing I have to do. This is him seeing the reality of the situation, saying, okay. I mean, personally, it was a faith issue, but overall, the movie is, does not have a faith theme, but they're calling it a faith-based film yeah they are because these filmmakers have you know the movies they've made up to now have been really um you know strongly uh faith-based and on the kind of that's been their cachet and also uh they've driven the movie in faith-based circles so you see ads for it in you know on in think places like the register you know and i'm not the new york times you know so uh, it's a thing the faith-based audience is very aware of because that's how they've been marketing the movie. But you're right. Uh, actually, this film, I wish they would take a chance and buy an ad in the New York Times because we need people beyond the faith-based community to Absolutely. see it. And, right. and it's, you know, it's one of those things where my, you know, uh, my nephew isn't particularly plugged into the faith-based world, and I mentioned to him he hadn't heard of it. You know, and uh, he's like 16 years old, but he was like, you know, he hadn't even heard of it because it, he doesn't traffic in the faith-based side. You know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I wish we could, I wish we could. Now that they've made this much money, I wish the production company would really, okay, let's try to put it out there into more mainstream promotional venues right. and see what they do. Yeah, because what you're saying in terms of the numbers, those are mainly mm-hmm. coming from people of faith because they're interested in supporting films that are telling good stories like this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think so. 
And, um, you know, and again, the numbers are, are they're good. They're great. But it's still a very small percentage. You know, you're talking 15 bucks a head. So six million people. Um, that that means 344 million Americans haven't seen the film yet. You know, mm-hmm. so there's there's room to grow it beyond that. And the real test is going to be when it opens in foreign because they don't have the same faith based organisms to promote the film in the foreign markets. So it's just about, you know, if, um, you know, how they're going to get the word out. We'll see how it does over overseas. Yeah. Talking with Dr. Barbara Nicolosi Harrington, of course, about the movie Sound of Freedom, which continues to do quite well at the box office. Thanks be to God. Of course, she's with Act One, Regent University, and the National Catholic Register, where she is writing reviews for them and does a great job of that. So in terms of getting the word out out there in a different audience, I totally agree with you. We have to reach it. And I think it's great that the faith-based community is supporting this. But we really need to get out there in, in other circles. So are, are you mm-hmm. thinking, have you spoken to anyone behind the scenes of this film? Are they looking at that as to what you just mentioned in terms of reaching out elsewhere beyond faith circles? Um, I haven't, but I think they have to be aware of it. That you know, They have to know that they have a problem when they open foreign. So their hope right now, I think, is if, if they can just make it a phenomenon you know, in the United States market, then, then the, the rest of the world will go, huh, what's, what's this thing that the United States went crazy for? But I think the real hope of the thing uh, is if they really, put, you know, stop letting this thing be called a faith-based project and really say, no, this is, you know, this is us talking about a social problem. You know, we're talking about it as Christians, but, you know, we have things to say besides just saints in the Bible. We have, we have, you know, we should have our, our place in the marketplace of ideas, and we have a right to uh, to talk about these things. And so that's what, for me, is really hopeful, that we will ask, you know, I can now pitch movies to Christian investors, and it doesn't have to have a saint, right? you know, story. It's like, oh, wow, maybe we can do something that's just about a real moral issue or, you know, something else with where we, and we don't, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know where's where's the rosary and the and the altar call you know that right. uh, and so uh, so i'm hopeful that that's what this is going to mean for those of us in the business well i think sometimes we forget about the power of of truth in terms of the natural law and what the church gives us that we can be we're still being faithful when we're speaking truth and when we're exposing issues and problems that all goes back to god or i always think about i always talk about this you know my expertise mm-hmm. is news media and mm-hmm. and secular media and whatnot i look at what the church says in the in the catechism regarding mm-hmm. the means of social communications where they're talking mm-hmm. about news and how people have a right to truth i mean that short segment mm-hmm. there's i mean there's plenty the church has on, on media but in mm-hmm. the catechism i always say you print that up it should be in every newsroom in the country because mm-hmm. it's so basic in terms mm-hmm. about truth and and reporting the truth and so the same is true for, for the culture. We have so much to say about so much. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting. Yesterday, I just interviewed Father Mitch Pacwa on a new survey from Gallup showing mm. that belief in God, heaven, hell, angels, the devil is way down. And yet this movie is doing really well. I mean, this seems to be a little bit of a contradiction. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's actually an article in Newsweek uh, that came out this week and you know, the, the point of the article was is Jesus taking over Hollywood. And it was because mainly about the chosen. But then, you know, they caught the, the – before they got the article out, the whole Sound of Freedom thing happened, and so they put that one in there too. But, you know, the, I, the thing is, um, th- this, this is not really cracking outside our world of 
of Christian, you know, subculture yet. It, it isn't. And that world is shrinking. You know, it's shrinking all the time, and mm-hmm. that's what the Gallup poll shows. So uh, we we absolutely have to really start intentionally talking to those outside of our community. And as you said, we have this beacon of truth. We have, we have you know, islands of places people can rest uh, from the chaos of teaching and meaning, and, um, but we keep it to ourselves. You know, John Paul II said this generation of Christians will have to atone for its failure to use the communications media to spread the gospel of life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I think that, you know, that, that's, it's on us. But, yeah, um, this, you know, the, the, the faith-based audience is better organized. It has better ways of letting each other know what things to get behind. And so that does, you know, make these kinds of things happen. But in the end, we're, we're not really penetrating the mainstream, really. It's hopeful, though. I mean, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. this is hopeful. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's hopeful because uh, they can't ignore the 14th biggest movie of the year. And right. and so they are talking about Newsweek doing a story about The Chosen. You know, what is this thing? It had the highest ratings on the CW uh, that CW's had all year when it ran. You know, and it's kind of like, oh, we thought that was a channel for kids who wanted to watch, you know, witches and and vampires, and and they mm-hmm. run the chosen, and it's their biggest audience ever. So you say they can't they can't really ignore these things, or they can, but it, it's harder. And financially, it doesn't make any sense. Right. So we'll see. We'll see. It's uh, yeah. I think if we can follow it up with some an equally good film instead of going backwards, then yeah, this is a good opportunity. Yeah. Great, great insight. Okay, before we let you go, I have to say, I read your article on the register about a small light, mm. and I searched for that series. I found it, and I watched the whole thing. I thought it was really well done. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? I, I, I love it. It's about Meep Gies, who was the young woman who um, helped keep the, the Franks and Frank and her family alive for two years. And it's, it's, it's less a story and more a character right. journey, you know, but the kind of thing we don't see that much anymore something really thoughtful about what makes a hero and how someone transforms gradually when they sign on to do something great i love it i think it's beautifully produced beautifully acted and uh yeah no i wish everybody people tell me what to watch i said go watch a small light it's beautiful yeah now the one thing that that was troubling i don't know how you feel about this but i was wondering about the her brother if that was a true Mm -hmm. story about him being uh homosexual and about the homosexuals organizing also and working with others who were fighting the Nazis during World War II. I don't know. I mean, it could be very true, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. If, was that something they just added, do you know, or was that based yeah, on they, the reality? Yeah, they added that. Now, it is true. I actually got a, uh, an email from the, the writer, the head writer, showrunner of the series, who saw the article that I did in, on, in the uh, register. Uh, and he said, you know, you said it was a misstep and that it didn't, wasn't true. And then he sent me all this, you know, dot data about this particular community of uh, gay people in Holland who we're doing all this resistance activity. And I said to him, yeah, but the problem is that's not what your movie was about. You know? right. And you're right. And so they, what they did was meet these had a brother who was unmarried. So just because they wanted to talk about that stuff, they, they declared him gay in the movie, in the series. Right. And, you know, but it's a teeny part of the eight episodes, you know, it's really, 
not that much, but I you get the sense it's the kind of thing they put in to get awards and the attention yeah. of their peers. Yeah, I was wondering about that. that because I thought, okay, well, if it is reality, then that should be out there and we, and we should know mm-hmm. about that. And, mm-hmm. but, but at the same time, the reporter in me was like, okay, I, I wonder mm-hmm. if this is true. So I'm glad you mm-hmm. clarified. Still, I thought it was excellent. And I think we're mm-hmm. seeing more and more of these, these series that are really well done and telling these stories, stories about which we, we never may be aware of otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... Uh, there's so much more opportunity right now because of all the streaming services, and people are learning how to tell stories much more cost-effective. So that was not a big-budget production, you know, eight episodes of that series, uh, but, but you know, they managed to do a beautiful job. And so, yeah, this is the era of the democratization of visual storytelling. If you have a Canon camera and, uh, you know, an Apple, you can edit and sh- you can shoot and edit a, a broadcast standard movie right now but the the tricky thing is it's so much harder than it looks when it comes to the story oh sure like you know coming up with the framing a story and the development of characters that's tough and that's why we have my program at regent we're an online mfa and ma well nice little segue into that (laughs) (laughs) into a shameless plug which is fine because i was going to give you an opportunity anyway but the thing that i loved about this film and again getting back to what we said when you expose truth and and this was such a a series about the dignity of the human person Mm -hmm. and how each character recognizes this and risks their lives whether it's Mm -hmm. it's the main character whether it's her husband whether Mm -hmm. it's other people with whom she worked in the office and Mm -hmm. and the man who played um anne frank's father He's, he's a really good actor. He was phenomenal. Yeah. I just thought it was, it really, yeah. and, and the writing in it was very, very good. It just brought yeah. you into their lives and the people. You got to know them so much better. Yeah, and, and the other thing that's very surprising about it is, even though it's, you know, quote, a Holocaust story, it's not like anyone you've ever seen. There, no, there's very no different. Nazis yeah. Mm-hmm. Beating people up everywhere. Uh, it's like they're constantly present in her consciousness, the threat as and as it grows, but it's her, it's really her. Her story. Her journey, right, to making a difference. Barb, well said, and thanks for the advice. I highly recommend that series, and thanks for all you do. Okay, give us your website. Uh, My website, I'm not sure, but uh, you can go to Regent University and find uh, the online MFA in screenwriting. All right, and also Act One, Act One training program. Barb, thanks so much for your great insight. You can catch your reviews at the National Catholic Register. We'll be right back on a Friday. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. As a Catholic mom, I know that parenting can be hard, frustrating, and lonely. But it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Lisa Popcheck from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting Catholic parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day, get expert help with discipline issues, self-care, creating a stronger marriage, living your faith at home, or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to personalized expert support, you'll get access to tons of creative resources, entertaining videos that teach your kids how to get along and love the Lord. 
downloadable activities, monthly live parenting Q&As, and a supportive community and tons of other benefits, like my Momfidence podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home Community. Again, that's CatholicHOM.com. I can't wait to see you there. You and your spouse are invited to cruise with Royal Caribbean this January, along with Father Michael Schmitz, Archbishop Nauman, Al, Teresa, Dr. Ray, and many others. Get away with your spouse on a fun, relaxing, and rejuvenating cruise with inspiring speakers, daily mass, and endless memorable experiences. Father Michael Schmitz comments, you'll encounter an amazing community of couples and speakers, and most importantly, you'll encounter Christ. More details at AveMariaRadio.net. Just click the travel link. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network on a Friday morning. Wishing you a blessed weekend, the last weekend of July. Get out there, enjoy it, be safe in the heat, but keep listening. We'll talk to you on a Monday. Ciao, ciao. See you then. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.